Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in to the Ukulele Interventions podcast. We're doing our catching up series, and today on Catching Up, we are catching up with our good friend Tyler from Ten Thumbs Pro. All right, welcome everybody to episode five. We have uh, Ten Thumbs Pro here on the Ukulele Interventions podcast. Mahalo, Tyler, for being with us. Um, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Where Where are you at? Like, what's what what state are you back home no so i i actually i live in south america i live in medellin colombia wow and um so this is this is home and i'm currently here in medellin and i've lived in south america for the last 10 years oh okay so when you travel the states you're just doing it like kind of a promotional travel Mm -hmm. i come and uh i see my family i was born in the united states so I come and I see family. Both my sisters have kids. So I go and I see the kids. I see my mom and dad. And then I try to do workshops, teach, and then hit off these events like NAM and things like that. Um, I own a Eurovan, a 95 Eurovan. So I do as much driving as I can and try to see as many people as I can. And then also just get outside and, uh, you know, jump off some mountains into rivers and run around and go hiking and fishing and just be outside. Um, I, I, I enjoy traveling and I enjoy music. So I, I do my best to combine those two hobbies. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. Um, when you, I'm assuming the van will never make it to Hawaii, but hopefully you will when everything slows down. I would love to make that pilgrimage. And um, I would love to do it for some time in the van out, you know, and spend six months out there and really, you know, do it right. And, get my feet into the culture and be an honorary, you know, like citizen, like an adopted son of the state and do something like that. I don't know how feasible that is, but definitely a pilgrimage to Hawaii and taking the cameras and documenting the experience and getting to know the history of the ukulele and getting to know the history of the island and the connection between the two is something that I find really fascinating. Um, the Lomax family, Alan Lomax and John Lomax, who documented all this music in the 30s and 40s for the Library of Congress, are kind of like my heroes. So going and documenting obscure music with local legends is something that I'm pretty passionate about. That, that's an amazing drive to get. I mean, if you ever do, and if you don't have anyone, I know a few guys in the ukulele community here that I'd love mm -hmm. to hook you up with. I mean, obviously when it's all said and done, all this COVID stuff is done with and uh, we can get back to traveling, you know, mm -hmm. um, you make it out here, man. We can make it happen. That's for sure. So when, yeah, you do your, when you do your six months, you're in the van, you don't like go to a, um, a place or anything. Correct. Uh, and when, and it's not six months, it's like three months. Um, I would like to do Hawaii for like six months or so, and I just kind of threw a number out there, okay. but the last trip I did was uh, three months in a week, and we did 10,283 miles, um, and I slept in a hotel two nights in that three months and two weeks, and it was, what, you know, 23 states. Um, we, I hugged the Mexican border all the way to San Diego, and then I went up the coast to Portland, and in Portland, I cut up Boise. Boise worked my way down to Salt Lake. Salt Lake, I worked my way over to Denver. And Denver, I worked my way to Chicago. And once I got to Detroit, I started working my way back down towards Austin, Texas, via Cincinnati, Chattanooga, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. That's awesome. That and yeah. You were by yourself the 200 miles, 200,000 miles? 
No, I, you know, I pick up people on the way. Okay. Um, my wife was with me for some of it. I had a high school friend, buddy, flew into San Francisco, and I drove with him from San Francisco. I drove him to his home in Boise. Um, the from Denver to Michigan, and then from Michigan to Austin, Texas, I was alone. I lived in California from the time I was three to the time I was ten, and a kid from elementary school on Facebook and I wrote him and I said hey dude what are you doing for the 4th of July and he said I don't know why and I said well I'm actually rolling through La Honda my hometown that it was my childhood hometown and he said yeah dude come on through and um I hadn't seen him you know since I was 10 years old I'm 34 now I hadn't seen him in 24 years and it turns out he was a musician too and a songwriter and so he ended up flying to Boise and rocking and rolling with me through Utah and Colorado and so, you know, picking people up, dropping them off, making new friends, revisiting old friends. It was a pretty unique experience, man. That's That sounds like a lifestyle to have, man. That yeah, sounds fun. That absolutely yeah. sounds fun. Like on an island, to be honest, I mean, it's, it's eight islands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you would need to see all islands and drive on all islands, which you can't. Uh, you mm-hmm. would need to send your vehicle. Uh, and mm-hmm. that will take a week. So six months is actually absolutely doable. You, you yeah. could see, like you could see this whole island in a weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. The big island might mm-hmm. take a week, uh, but then traveling from from island to island with your van to ship it out and stuff—that's always a uh, thing. But that that is amazing. I, I couldn't I couldn't wait to see or be a part of your Hawaii leg. That would be yeah. absolutely cool, man. Wow, well, part of it, too, is not being in a rush. Part of it's getting to a place cool and posting up the van and being there for a week, um, you know, awesome. not being in motion. I tried to do, if you get on my channel, we did some things called Van Jams. Saw that. And some of them are, you know, I did it with Bernadette from Bernadette Teaches Music. I did some with Tim, um, Timmy yeah. from Timmy Cruz. I did yeah. some with You Can You with Matt. I did some with oh. um, Terry from... Saw that one with Terry, like, yeah. Girls. So I, I, I did a lot of stuff within this ukulele YouTube community and they would come in the van and they would be like, Terry taught a shuffle. And then, so we would build off each other's lessons and do things like that. I would like to get more musicians that don't play ukulele in the van and have them jamming with the van. Um, one of, I don't want to say gripes, but one of my missions with the ukulele is to have people who play the ukulele look at themselves more as musicians and get them playing with other instruments, get them jamming with a bass player, get them jamming with a guitar player. It's almost taboo um, for ukulele players to play with other instruments. And sometimes I get, sometimes ukulele players give me a hard time when I play guitar, but I think ukulele, for example, and cello, ukulele and violin, ukulele and a DJ, that stuff sounds really, really cool. Ukulele and some dude rapping over it, you know what I mean? That stuff is really, really unique and interesting. And so that's part of my mission, too, is to integrate the ukulele more in music as a whole and have people who play the ukulele be more driven to sit down with their neighbor that plays guitar or their, they have their, their, their 50 and their grandson is in the marching band plays trumpet. Rock out with your grandson, you know what I mean? Make an arrangement and do something unique. And so that's also part of the next van trip, we'll say. Because I'll be in the van again in, um, from August until... October this year and I'll be starting up in, in Austin working my way to Boise 
then down to LA for the LA Uke Fest, and then over to Austin, Texas again. So that's the general loop. Where I'm going to be in between, I'm not quite sure. I have a lot of ideas for a lot of different things that I want to do on the road this time. You learn a little bit every single time. Um, and like I want to do a project with my own instrumental music in national parks and kind of set some of my music to some of that imagery. And I want to get more people in the van and do more van jams. And I want to, last time I was out in the country the whole time, this time I'd like to spend more time in the city and do some more stuff kind of camping, urban camping, we'll call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very urban. Yeah. Um, that that's amazing, man. That's a great, and you, how long have you been doing this traveling and this 10 thumbs pro stuff? So 10 Thumbs as a YouTube channel is six years old. The van made its debut um, trip last summer, but I've been, I left USA and I've been traveling since 2010. You know, I live in Colombia, but even when I got, I'm married to a Colombian woman. And when we got married, we packed up our stuff and we took the bus all the way to Buenos Aires in Argentina. And we lived in Argentina for two years too. So I've seen, Bolivia, Peru, Chile, um, Paraguay, Argentina, yeah. a lot of South America as well, yeah. too. You know, what I've, really I've been cool. a band on the run for a long time. That's that's amazing. And where does the name Ten Thumbs come from? Like, where did, what is, where did you get that? That's a good question. Um, so when I was... I tried to learn guitar when I was 14 and my teacher told me that I wasn't going to figure it out because I had 10 thumbs. Got it. And so I quit playing guitar and I didn't pick it up again until I, until 2011. Um, and then a year later in 2012, I started playing ukulele. No, actually that's not even accurate. I started playing ukulele in 2013 wow. and guitar in 2012. And, um, the whole thing was just the idea is that whether you have 10 thumbs or not, um, whether you have some kind of disability, whether you have some kind of disadvantage, if you work hard, you can do it. And that anything's possible and you can't really let other people determine your own limits and your own capabilities because the only person that can set your boundaries is you. And if you really set your boundaries high and you put you know, your nose to the grindstone, you can get it done. Yeah, that's absolutely powerful. Cause one of my uh, inspirations as an ukulele player and as a human being is uh, a pastor of mine. Uh, he walked my wife down. That's how close he is to us. He walked my wife down the aisle, um, and sure. and his his wife is the one who ordained, who married us. They, she officiated, mm -hmm. but he has this on both hands, and he jams the ukulele. Yeah. You know what I mean? He so he's, he's a 10 thumb, man. That yeah. is 10 thumb. That's he the exactly example of what that is. So if you go on, on Amazon reading or, or, or he has a book out there called my, my funny little hands or something. And he jams yeah. ukulele. Like his profile pick is him. He, he holds an F chord with his pinky. And I think his second finger, his ring finger or something like that. Like he, because his pinky is his longest finger. Okay. So, so he uses that to reach those A minors, the higher up G strings. Yeah. It's a really cool, really cool, inspiring book. And he inspires, you know what I mean? As an ukulele player. And, and um, mm -hmm. I had the privilege of learning from him, playing alongside mm -hmm. him. And now his granddaughter is one of my students and hopefully to become one of our instructors. She started from cool. not knowing. And then now I gifted her an ukulele and she plays now on the, our worship team for our uh, church. 
And um, yeah, exactly. He has ten thumbs. That's exactly what he has. That's so funny. So you started off playing ukulele less than ten years ago. Correct. Uh, guitar eight years ago and ukulele seven years ago. Wow. And and um, you came out as and and you pursue more of the playing aspect and entertainment or more of the lessons. You know, um, at first. The teaching was a way for me to try to fund my my own musicianship. At first, I saw teaching as like a means to an end or a way to buy me time to be a better musician and to try to go out and do tour and be a professional. But I just ended up loving it so much. They're, they're two very unique things for me. Um, but I don't place in more importance on either one of them. I nurture them both with all my heart. And I really find I've, it's amazing to me how empowered people feel once they just kind of like get their first C chord and they get their first A minor, they get their first F and next thing you know, and they're, they're playing a song and then you can see how empowered they are. So that's something that I really, uh, really enjoy doing with all my heart. And I, I like to push people. Um, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of people getting there and saying, okay, I'm happy with those three chords. I want them to. Yeah. A little bit. True. So I'm kind of always trying to push, push other people to get the best out of themselves as well. Yeah. So, so right now with a lot, you don't, you never had, um, uh, classroom style teachings though you most of them, all of it has been online correct okay. I, I, I taught english as a second language for a couple of oh, years in, oh, in latin wow. america and that's where i sharpen my teaching tools and my that's where i learned to become an effective teacher and that's why i feel i i kind of manage my lessons like a classroom because for a long time i taught people how to speak english and i did that in colombia and i did that in argentina and i did it in schools and i did it in colleges and i did it in airports and I did it um, in businesses and I did it for lawyers and I did it for um, young people, old people. And that's where I really learned how to become an effective teacher. That's awesome. That's great to put your you know, lifestyle practices into and incorporating now in ukulele and keeping that uh, instruction going. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. I think teaching has like I've been playing for years, you know, and like you said, like getting with people, we call that here in Hawaii, kanikapila. When you get a bunch of people and you jam, we, we on Thursdays when we, when we used to go, we used to go with um, to this uh, luthier's wood shop, and where he builds ukuleles with a whole bunch of other ukulele builders, and old school Hawaiians, <laughs> and we would sit down and kani kapila, and everybody would lead a song, and that's where I get my instruction from is being able because if you teach somebody a song. They only play that song. Hey, play us a song. Okay, okay, yeah. play with me a song. We're like, mm -hmm. I cannot. I only know the song. So I always encourage my students, hey, how's about I teach you guys how to play, but not what to play? Therefore, yeah. you can teach yourself what to play. Uh -huh. And so jamming with these, having Kani Kapilas is so true. Ukulele was my breakout instrument too, you know, but it's, of course, you know, progressed with to guitar and to bass and to piano and, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And I try every time somebody has something else, so especially string this, I'm going to try it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Try to like, okay, what is this tuning of a banjo? Okay, try that. What's the tuning of a violin? Okay, let's try this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but it's, I love the ukulele. Born and raised, you know what I mean? Born and raised with an ukulele in my hand. So. There's a couple unique string instruments we have in South America that um, 
you if you ever get down here you should try two of them jump to mind one's called the cuatro which is really popular in venezuela and it is tuned a whole step higher than the ukulele so it would be a d f sharp um b but it has two reentrant um strings so it's like a high g low c high e low a wow and it's 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 really popular with folkloric music in venezuela and the other one is called charango and charango is popular in the high andes regions of peru and bolivia and it's popular with the indigenous people which are called quechua in fact like the old one of the oldest living women on earth is a bolivian woman who's like 115 years old and she plays and sings in quechua on a charango and the charango is tuned exactly like the ukulele but you have another fifth string that goes up higher and i'm not quite sure what it would be it's probably like either a minor or major third but they double up so it's two g's two c's and they if they're the traditional ones are made out of old armadillo shells what yeah so they That's would find crazy. old armadillos that would be like roadkill or dead in the desert they find armadillo skeletons and they boil them out and then they would stretch canvas over it and they would double up on the strings and they do these percussions which are made out of uh, llama toenails so you got people with llama toenails what? doing the shakers and then you have these old andean chirangos and they're playing these andean style rhythms that are really unique So it's a, there's some really unique stuff going on down here, but you cool. see the similarities um, because of the guitar and that, that traditional guitar tuning, it's infected its way in all of these stringed instruments all over the world. And the Spanish influence you can see all over Latin America. So the, from my understanding, the guitar tuning that we do today, the modern E, A, D, G, B, E comes from Spain. Oh. From the, and from the Iberian Peninsula, too, from Portugal. And so part of that is why the ukulele, you see some overlapping in the tuning. In the charango, you see some overlap. And that's the traditional Spanish influence of that tuning. Right, right. Because that's where the ukulele came from, is Portugal. Mm -hmm. right, a Portuguese uh, man came down and had two, I think, a guitar and that, and it just kind of mm -hmm. birthed the ukulele. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's pretty awesome. And that, yeah, the Iberian Peninsula, that's yeah. where that tuning comes from. Yeah, and so the Iberian Peninsula being the peninsula that is both Spain and Portugal. Oh, I see, I see. Like for for me, I'm Portuguese and Hawaiian, so it, it's kind of perfect for me. You know, I mean, I'm, so are a lot of people here, but we don't all play. Most people that play ukulele here uh, do it as a living. You know what I mean? They're ukulele players, they're entertainers, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, the instruction part doesn't come, but there's a lot of inspiration by these artists that helps us be able to teach. Like, oh, they mm -hmm. see this guy, they see this guy, they see this guy. I want to play like them, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, it, it is fun teaching, you know? So for you, um, teaching is where, like where, where can people, besides YouTube, do you mm -hmm. do like private Zoom lessons or all that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. And you can email me 10thumbsproductions at gmail.com. And I do Zoom, Skype, Google Hangouts, um, whatever that person prefers. I'm pretty well versed in any kind of video chat at this point. Yeah. And then we do private lessons here too. Um, the private lessons that I do in Colombia, the Colombian currency isn't quite what the other one is. So I try to do some groups and things like that. I've started a couple groups here a couple times. Actually, this one, a lot of Chinese companies send me a lot of cheap Chinese ukuleles, right? Uh -huh. And I, they say, you know what? We want you to do a review with it. And I tell them, look, I'm going to be super honest. And if you send me a piece of 
a junk, I'm going to tell everyone it's a piece of junk. So now what I'm asking them to do instead is I say, here's the deal. I'm talking to one right now. And I said, why don't you send me three of them? And there's these three kids that are from Venezuela that wash um, windows because right now the situation in Venezuela, there's like, everyone's leaving. The country's lost millions of people. I think there's like 3 million Venezuelans in Colombia alone, you know? So in a million, another million in Peru, another 2 million in Brazil, millions of people have left Venezuela for, there's no food, there's no money. The money has no value. And so a ton of them are here in Colombia and they're young people, they're vulnerable people. These three ones that wash windows at this uh, stoplight about two blocks from my house, I've kind of befriended. So I told this Chinese company, I said, here, instead of me doing a review and ripping your ukuleles apart, send me three of them and I'm going to go to the corner where these kids wash these windows and I'm going to hook them up with three ukuleles and I'm going to teach them how to play ukulele and I'll give you some good press that way. So kind of trying to do things along those lines here in the country. Um, Not so much private lessons here because a lot of people for what the currency is, it's difficult for them to afford it. So I'm just out here kind of trying to use the ukulele to do more social things in in Colombia. Yeah. That's so good. Especially in our time where the country or the world is just down and having rough, rough times, you know? Well, right now it's not possible because we're all locked in the house. Depending on, I, I can't leave the house. I can only leave the house on Thursdays and Sundays. Um, really? In Colombia, we have this thing called Pico y Cedula, and you can only leave the house depending on the last number of your ID. So mine's a zero. So because it's zero, I can only leave the house on Thursdays and Sundays, and I can only go to the grocery store or the pharmacy. Um, you know, people here are taking it a lot more serious than they are in the U.S. And having said that, there's 10,000 deaths in the USA. We've only had 136 here in Colombia. Yeah. I, um, I went out today. I mean, like I went to, I had to go to Costco. I got to buy food. Yeah. And there's a line, a line yeah. of people. And they're only letting like a hundred or something people in there. And it's kind of like. That's kind of like the thought process behind this Pico de Cedula is that not everyone goes to the grocery store and it makes you think a little more. Yeah. That way, you know, you're, uh, you're getting your food for the week, but you don't have everyone going in there just to get a bar of soap. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Get what you need and get out. I do that once a week, like maybe once every two weeks for me. So I, I, I go on shift tomorrow, starting a 72 hours, three days. I'll work three days straight at work. Don't come home. Mm-hmm. So I just mm-hmm. want to make sure I provide for my family. I have a family of five. So yeah. I want to make sure everything is, you know, you got meals on this day, this day when my wife, my, my wife and I are both military. So we mm-hmm. both activated. My wife is a medical military. So we they took over the whole state of Hawaii with this whole yeah. deal going on. So she's working long hours. She comes home to take care of my three babies while I'm at work, working at three day. It's like the least I can do is provide food for you. Yeah, no uh, doubt. So I know no it's like, I went there. I was like, just let me get in, get my stuff out, you know, but yeah, it's pretty wild, man. Yeah. Um, before we sign off, um, you think you can give us a, a sample of something? Sure.
That's awesome, my man. Thank you, really brother. cool. Yeah, that's I'm looking at the course like, man, that is a lot to be playing right now. <laughs> that's a lot to be playing. That's awesome. Well, I really want to uh, say thank you. I appreciate your time. Yeah, um, no problem, and thank you to the listeners who are listening out there, right? <laughs> who yeah, hopefully thank will you listen. To everyone out there listening, I hope you guys are staying safe. Um, real quick shout out to clearly to the everyone out there in the medical field doing their thing risking your life. I see the photos where you're coming home with bruises from your face, Max. I appreciate everything you're doing. I appreciate. Um, but not only that, I want to give a shout out to the people who aren't getting as much credit. You guys driving trucks, you guys out there in the produce, you guys out there picking the food, you out there stocking the shelves. Um, I see you. I appreciate you. And you guys are every much as a hero out there on the front lines. And um, thank you for holding everything together i appreciate everything you're doing and you all make what i do possible so uh, much love much respect that's awesome all right guys signing off thank you